the Podfix Network. <sighs> you should go to my editing school, Chris. Keith, I've been there. I'm I'm not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Gravity Beard Podcast. We're recording today in Studio A. Thank you, as always, to our listeners. We appreciate your continued support. All right, let's begin. The Smorgasbord Festival debuted in 2018 and was an overwhelming success. As a result, we took it on the road for an epic world tour. That was an even bigger success. It has now become the biggest traveling music festival the world has ever known. Today, we're going to announce the lineup for the 2020 Smorgasbord Tour. And for the third straight year, I'm joined today by three friends of mine. First, the co-host of the Pop-Up Filmcast, Keith Gala. How are you, sir? Hey, hey. Hello. Keith, thanks for being here again. Hey, man. I love being part of this planning committee. Uh, it's, it's one of the, uh, the key things I look forward to every year. I do as well. Well, thanks for being here. Next, the co-host of Headline Heroes, Drew Mick. Welcome, Drew. Hello. Hello. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. And finally, the other co-host of the Pop-Up Filmcast, Derek Glasscock. Hey, hey, Tilf. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Very well. Good. Once again, gentlemen, thank you all for being here again for the third straight year. Before we begin, I have some shocking news. As you can tell, we are missing one person of our planning committee, and that is Paul Chomo, co-host of the Varmints podcast and the previous host of this event. He will not be here today. I think you're all going to actually be surprised as to what happened to Paul. So here's what happened. I reached out to him a few times, and he didn't respond, so I called his father, Ernie. (laughs) It took some convincing, but he reluctantly told me that Paul has quit his job, sold his house, and headed off to Japan to become a ninja. Follow your dreams. I mean, it makes sense. He's been sharing all sorts of ninja-related videos on Twitter uh, leading up until now. So, I just thought he was getting into ninjas. I didn't think he wanted to be a ninja. I mean, if you're checking in with him, you know, then you you, you might you might know every now and then that it's, it's just not a physical fitness routine that he was up to. Well, that's a good point. I just feel like I overlooked a bunch of things, but but anyways, I still didn't want to go on without him. And so I booked a flight to go find him. So when I got there, I hired a a local private investigator. And so we headed out armed only with a caricature of Paul from Phil Rude and Paul's favorite podcasting mic. And after a two-week search, I actually found him in the Kansai region of Honshu, living among the Koga clan. Have you guys heard of those guys? I have. I asked him if he'd come back, even temporarily, just to host this one episode. And he said he would if, if I passed a series of tests. And I passed all of them except for the last one where I had to drink a gallon of milk in an hour. And since I'm lactose intolerant, I failed miserably. It's always going to haunt you, isn't it? Oh, yeah. What were some of the other ones that you like passed? Yeah. Like, did you do an ice bucket thing? A polar plunge? That's just for charity. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you beat a bear in a fist fight, which was mm. astonishing. <laughs> Right. Uh, you <laughs> tight roped across a canyon. True. Right. So you had those two, mm-hmm. two challenges down. Uh, it wasn't a else? Grand Canyon, but it was yeah. still a canyon. It was impressive, though, nonetheless. You ate an aluminum can, three. Wow. Um, yep. What else was there? I ate three saltine crackers in less than a minute without drinking anything. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. T- very, very difficult. Very difficult. 
at that point, I was I was in the middle of the village square, and everyone was gathered around kind of in a circle, and I could tell that everyone there really doubted that I could do it. But I did. How many marshmallows were you able to get jammed into your mouth? While still being able to say chubby bunny? Yeah. Let me think. How many was it? That was after you, you had to climb to the top of the mountain with the bag of marshmallows intact still. Yes, And then that's do right. it for the, uh, the Sherpa at the top. I think I, it was like something like 27 marshmallows. It was a lot. Wow. <laughs> but then to wash it all down with a gallon of milk, you just couldn't pull that off, huh? Didn't probably help that you still had the marshmallows in your mouth, I'm sure. I wish they would have told me that I only had to do one challenge at a time rather than all of them at the same time. <laughs> oh, the crackers and the marshmallows getting all gooey together. Mm. Yeah. While fighting a bear uh, and crossing a canyon on a tightrope. Yeah. Um, what a day. So as you could tell, I got really, really close. But when I vomited at about the 38-minute mark, trying to drink the milk, Paul just kind of shook his head in kind of a very disappointing dad way. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then just mm-hmm. turned around and walked away from the crowd, and I knew I could never get him to come back. Oddly, I can picture that exactly. So anyways, um, I'll be hosting the show in Paul's place. So gentlemen, here's what we're going to do. One at a time, I'm going to give you the name of a band, and then you're going to give their brief backstory. So afterwards, the others can ask questions or add whatever they remember about the band. Then we'll play a song from their catalog. There'll be two rounds, and each of you will go once per round. Any questions about that? Nope. Nope. All right. And then at the end, we'll put together a music festival from the six bands we've introduced. We'll decide which band will open, who will be the headliner, and uh, the order in between. Here's the order. Drew, you'll go first, and then Keith, you'll go next, and then Derek, you'll go last. Aye, aye. Great. All right, Drew, the first one is yours. Please tell us everything you remember about Jeremy Baramy. Okay. So, well, I'm so glad that you brought... Uh, Jeremy Baramy to the table here. Uh, this is a band I just I love to research and really dive into their history. Um, but I mean, you can't talk about Jeremy Baramy without talking about Jeremy Baramy himself, the man, the myth. Um, he started the band. Um, they kind of started in um, to playing birthday parties just for like young children. Um, they kind of were just hired off of the street. Um, I think one of the guys worked with a guy and uh, the guy had a kid who had a seventh grader who had a birthday party, need to have the clown, need to have caterer, needed a band. So this guy got a band together and they started playing. Um, they had some very, I'd say, mellow vibes, um, just really relaxing, very chill. Um, they kind of hit some uh, rocky, rocky roads, I'd, I'd say, and a lot of various, the band basically split at one point and kind of left Jeremy Baramy, um, all on his own, trying to figure out where to go from here. All he had really was this band after a certain point. So, um, he did some soul searching, um, climbed some mountains, uh, went up to a ancient temple and tried to, you know, find his, um, get his chill back got to find his chill, get his cool vibes and spent years up there training, um, out of the public eye. Everyone thought that Jeremy Barry was dead, um, until he reemerged once again, um, found a new religion in the cool, cool vibes uh, of music. 
came down from the mountain and got a group of people together that shared his vision. Um, the one thing that they had to do was wear bathrobes. That was just necessary. All of them had to do it just with that chillness. Um, they had some breakout hits, of course. Uh, they had like a dump truck. Um, they had stick a fork in an outlet. They had on a moving train from their album, Everything Works in Fiction. They had a lampshade on my head. And um, those were some of their greatest singles. Um, yeah, I don't know. Have, have the rest of you guys heard of Jeremy Baramy? I should also mention uh, his 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 real name. Jeremy Baramy is, of course, his stage name. His his real name is uh, Baramy Blathersford. I'm familiar with him because of the fact that I like I like songs that can really kind of paint a description of like everyday life, mm-hmm. and the fact that you can really tell he he pulls a lot of his inspiration from just the things going on in his life every day. It, you know, he used to have to take the train to work, mm-hmm. you know, uh, every day. And so he would see people and, and talk to, you know, potentially crazy homeless people uh, on the train, or at least see them there doing their thing, their, their normal stuff. And until he could make it big, you know, that, you know, he had to go into a law firm, uh, and be a runner for a law firm for a while. And so this is what he would do. He would see these people and then he would write all of his lyrics based upon mostly what was going on while he was on this, these, uh, commutes. And it, it, I was able to really relate to, to stuff like that. Their live show was wacky because of the bathrobes. Uh, you got mm-hmm. all these guys coming on stage in bathrobes. Cool. But why are they so wet? They come out and they're in bathrobes, like they just came out of a shower or something, like, that, like a communal shower. And I, I don't know, they have like a sort of like a, a, a postmodern Devo quality to them. Like, like it's like a reinvention of Devo, but they're in bathrobes and wet. And there was a bit of a scandal with the wet robe where um, it kind of flew open at one point on Mm -hmm. jeremy himself and we the audience didn't we need to see that we didn't need to see that at all so that 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 i mean it happened to lenny kravitz it happened to jeremy Mm baramy um two of the greatest rock and rollers of our lifetimes Mm -hmm. i kind of always thought that maybe a bit of it was a gimmick that they were stealing the robes from the hotels that they stayed at on tour um but you know i did like the last time I got to see them live, uh, they they were monogrammed. They all had JB on them. Uh, no okay. matter all the members of the band, they had JB monogrammed on them. So I don't know if it started that they were stealing them from the hotels and then just they, they decided to go with it. Um, I was not at the Soaking Wet show, so I, I just saw a normal show. They would always throw stuff out into the crowd. And now that I think about it, it was a lot of like open soap um, mm-hmm. things, some half-used shampoo yeah, I got little conditioners one time, and I was like, oh, dope. Weirdly, light bulbs? I don't know who takes that, but... Bibles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they pretty much throw out everything that isn't, like, screwed down in a hotel room. So you got, like, the channel listing, the laminated sheet that's channel listing, remote controls. Batteries from the remote. Ba- yeah, the ba- batteries, they separate them. <laughs> and the remotes. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but they would separate the two, right? So you had the batteries yeah. and the remotes you have to like if if your buddy caught the batteries and you're like yes we got a pair we got a match um yeah the little soaps those weird hangers that, with the big loops on them um that, that don't work in any other closet no 
Yeah, they're pointless. They'll leave the light on for you unless Jeremy Barramy went through and took took the light bulbs. Took the light bulbs, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, here's Jeremy Barramy with On a Moving Train from their album Everything Works in Fiction. That was On a Moving Train from Jeremy Barmy from their album, Everything Works in Fiction. Keith, you're next. Tell us everything you remember about Modest Giraffes. All right. So I'll be honest. Like when we started planning, you know, you said we, we, we had to pick out some bands to, that we we're going to be covering. And I messaged you uh, Modest Giraffes right away. It was like one of the first ones I thought of yeah, uh, to get in the lineup. That. Yeah. Um, but only because of just a weird mistake I made. Uh, I I wanted to go see Modest Mouse, and I, you know, occasionally you you find somebody you know who's selling tickets to things, and uh, I thought that he was selling Modest Mouse tickets, and then when I got up to the front to get into the actual Modest Mouse concert, the guy said, uh, "No, you want that bar over on the corner." Uh, right around you know turn the corner go down the alley a little bit and and show them this ticket and so instead of getting into the nice little arena where modest mouse was playing i had to go around to this little shady bar at, and that's where i i found you know modest drafts after being incredibly incredibly annoyed for a while at the whole thing especially because I, I paid top dollar for basically what i think only needed to cover charge to get in uh to see these guys play I was pleasantly surprised uh, with you know with their whole their whole stage presence, uh, the whole album. The the girl really really uh, belts out uh, a lot of good notes. You know it, the song burst. I mean she's really bursting forward uh, on that one. And it, the the cool thing is because I didn't know them. They have a lot of followers, so they were they were promoting um, the or at least the merch table was filled with a lot of stuff for their album uh congo line of one i seemed like again because i thought i was gonna go see modest mouse instead i was a little bit out of the loop with it but they have a lot of fans and they all do this congo line of one where everybody is it's almost like a bit of a line dance you know they're all set up like they're doing the like a congo line but it's all just like one person like kind of hopping back and forth like with their hands in front of them where somebody else's hips would be and just kind of like kind of going in a circle. Uh, there's no real like instructions, not like the Marcarena where like you get, you know, there's actual specific moves you have to do with each thing, but it's, or like a line dance or anything, but it's a, a, a whole like choreographed thing. And they do it for like 
almost every single song uh, on on the entire Congo line of one album. Uh, you know, Burst is a little bit more upbeat. They got a couple slow songs that they play, and some people still do this like really weird rocking back and forth, like with their hands, like where somebody's hips would be right in front of them. It, it's a little weird. It takes a little getting used to, but. I mean, they got a good cult following, so I think they'll be great for uh, this year's Smorgasword. The best part of the Congo line, for one, is when they're all doing it, and so they can be the most efficient as they could possibly be with it. They kind of line up. Like, uh, one person will be doing a Congo line of one, and then someone get behind that person doing their conga line of one. They don't ever touch. And then behind that person will be another conga line of one. And so to get the whole, like usually usually they play in like a, a general admission ballroom or a bar or something like that. Uh, everyone will just line up and kind of just like follow the first person. But they're all, they're, they're all doing a solitary conga line within mm-hmm. a line of people. It's, it's amazing. I love watching it happen. It takes the, almost a full concert to to get it to where everyone finally syncs up mm-hmm. uh, and do it, especially if you get a new timer like me who never really saw him. Like I mean, I really screwed it up like three or four times uh, to where I just was not. I mean, I'm I never in sync and dancing anyway. But like I really messed it up a couple times. I got a couple uh, a couple bad looks from from a few of their uh, Uber fans. Uh, I've only been to one concert of theirs, um, and but that was my favorite part. Like the no contact is. Mm-hmm. Just really, just great for me because that's just something. It's it, everyone's sweaty, everyone's moshing, everyone's <clears throat> jamming, and that's good and all. But ah, just like, don't touch me, you know, you know, you kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh. So getting in that Congo line of one, but still a lot of people. But it's just you. Just felt so right. If, if it's eleven songs, you know, if they play eleven songs like they did at the show I saw, I mean, you're sweating a lot when you're like almost doing this Congo line of one for every single song. Uh, you know, after a while, you're like, you don't want to be touching anybody or getting yeah. close to anybody. I'm going to say, at least you uh, then the know end. it's your sweat. It's all your sweat. Yeah. I, well, the lady with long hair that was in front of me, it could have been her sweat too. She was oh. kind of whipping her head around. But <laughs> lady with I mean, it's still, it, it, I mean, it, yeah. It, <laughs> it's a good way to clean the floors though. Mm-hmm. Get him in a gym after a basketball game. <laughs> it's like Crystal Gale in front of him. Like hair goes down to the floor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wipe it all up, you know, get some water down there. With all the people going in a line covering every inch of that gym floor. Yeah. Gets it gets it done. Keith, you experienced it. Like the real modest giraffe heads, they don't like posers. Um, you didn't mm-hmm. do the conga line of one right. You're lucky you didn't get the heck beat out of you, dude. Like they're like early insane clown posse fans like if you didn't go to a show wearing clown makeup you got harassed and taunted and probably get beat up uh grab their pitchforks yeah so like those monster app people if you're not doing a conga line of one right or you're like you you are a poser or you think you're a fan they're big gatekeepers the monster app fans big gatekeepers i mean it gets a little crazy at times during the show you know, like, you know, Derek, you're saying they got these, you know, gatekeeper people who are very specific about how you have to enjoy the show. There's a lot of them. And when they all look at you kind of mean because uh, you're messed up a Congo line move. You know, I stepped to the back to the bar and just grabbed a drink uh, for at least two songs. So people would kind of forget about me. All right. Well, let's listen to one of their songs. Here is Modest Giraffes with their song Burst from the album 
Congo Line of One. burst from modest giraffes all right derek you are next tell us everything you remember about poetry falcons oh sure poetry falcons so the thing about the poetry falcons that is super fun and if if you didn't know this going in it's like a real mind bender when you hear it is it's made up of four former kids bop kids Right, like the first batch of kids pop kids from the nineties, they grew up, they got artsy, they wanted to make their own music. They were tired of singing the hits of the eighties, nineties, and now, right? They wanted to do their own thing. And uh the lead singer, uh, uh Boris uh, uh Sportston, uh he fa- he fancied himself like a real intellectual type. And the people that came from Kids Bop with them, they fancied an intellectual type too. And it, w- it became a bit of a cult, the Poetry Falcons. Uh, they all lived in one hut out in the desert of Arizona. Uh, and Boris Speltzen, he would come out uh, every six months with a new album from the Poetry Falcons. Uh, the it and like you know you know when you get, when you're when kids think they're really cool and really smart you know like oh you know like uh i believe in this and i have things but they don't have any life experience behind them because they lived a saccharine life of singing top 40 songs you know you know that it's a it's a very common thing uh that's what the poetry falcons are like they're deep in air quotes but they're not they're just kind of they're just kind of what they are you know and you're just like all right poetry falcons all right boris Feltzen, uh laid on me and and they always had this revolving cast of former kids boppers kids bop kids that he he's almost like a pied piper of kids bop kids like he just keeps bringing them in 
they become of age. They're well, it, a kid's bop kid becoming of age means they're 16. They can drive. Uh, they can drive themselves. Like up until then, parents would drive them to kids bop kids uh, uh, rehearsals and recording sessions. And then once they became 16, they're like they pretend like they're going to kids bop kids rehearsals and recording sessions, and they just take a hard left and go somewhere else. And it's usually DeBoer, Speltzen, uh, and the Poetry Falcons. But they're over and over again song. When it first hit the airwaves, I was like, God, that has that has the sound of of pseudo intellectualism behind it. And then when I looked into it, yeah. Uh, I mean it's an eighteen year old that thinks he's really smart. So the other day, uh and this is how I actually I just recently learned of Poetry Falcons. Uh, my family, we got in the car, decided to take a little drive, and my wife puts on the Sirius XM kids station and they had the kids bop playing poetry falcons over and over uh, my kids made uh, ironically made my wife play the song over and over over and over uh, but all you know with just the, these you know with young kids bop kids singing it and then i went home and i looked it up online and stuff and then i started playing the Older kids, Bob Kids, the now Poetry Falcons, the original version. They were having none of it. They thought it sounded like gibberish. And I was like, this is the song you just heard. But by people who used to be kids, Bob Kids, they wanted nothing to do with it. They went back to playing their Minecraft. Yeah, there's something super meta about a Poetry Falcons song being covered by the kids, Bob Kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Sorry, I've been real quiet, um, but this is just this is just blowing my mind. I did not know this um, that the the kids Bob kids. Well, first of all, grew up and learned how to drive. Are you kidding me? That's I didn't <laughs> I know. know that was a thing. You um, thought they never grew up? Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, yeah. It's always the same kids. It's been the They're same perpetually kids for twelve. Years. They've been twelve for the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. It's a weird Peter Pan thing. Also, this might blow your mind too, Drew. Uh, okay. Before they were the Poetry Falcons, they tried to be the adults, jam, adult jam adults. Uh, but the kids, Bob, kids had like a copyright claim against them. You're uh, telling me the oh my what? They were they were going to they their first album if you can find it is a rarity. It's called the Adult Jam Adults presents Adult Jams. Um. And it was really, it was just, they did cover songs of like Phil Collins uh, and like Barbra Streisand, anything that would be on like a... They did a lot of Air Supply, if from what I air remember. Air Supply, yeah. I know about that because I, I bought uh, that album way back when uh, by mistake because I did think it was jams for adult. Like <laughs> I wanted something for my, my toast, um, some, something to spread on there. You were trying to buy jam for your toast at a record store? I was trying to buy... <laughs> yes. All right. Seems fishy, Drew. I think you're just saying that mm. to cover up the fact that you dig the adult jam. Adults present adult jams. Now, Derek, <laughs> you got me. All right. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand. It's okay. I, there are lots of people that grew up or are growing up now my kids included, that don't realize that the songs, the Kids Bop Kids singing, are songs performed by other people, just covered by the Kids Bop Kids. So when you picked up Adult Jams, 
Adults presents Adult Jams. You you didn't realize that uh, in the air tonight was actually Phil Collins and not Adult Jam Adults. I did not know. Yeah, Man. it's okay. Yeah, that, I guess okay. yeah, that's how I was really introduced to music. It's just yeah, like, the the greatest lie the devil ever told was that he didn't exist or whatever. That's same thing, same principle here. He, that he went down <laughs> oh, that, to he cre- that he created that he created kids pop. <laughs> Yep, and he went to Georgia and created Kids Bob Kids, yes. Yeah. All right, well, let's listen to a tune from them. Here is Poetry Falcons with Over and Over Again from their album, It's Chinese for Japan. And that was over and over again from Poetry Falcons. Even it's Chinese for Japan sounds like it's trying to be really smart. Mm-hmm. It does, yeah. It's got that flavor to it. <laughs> it's not, though. <laughs> All right, Drew, we're back around to you. Tell us everything you remember about Enjoyment Residue. <laughs> okay. Enjoyment Residue. Probably most famous for their song. Uh, detachable penis, um, which just, it's really bizarre. It's a really bizarre song. And I I think the best way to kind of tell you about them is to kind of talk about how I came across them. Um, I was downtown. I was looking around. I found a certain store, um, that had a certain, phallic objects just on display everywhere um among other things and i was in there doing my thing and then i i I reached and grabbed um one of them one of one of the 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 penis i guess grabbed it took it off the wall and the wall just opened up and there was this secret um rave scene back there with this band enjoyment residue playing um their famous song detachable penis and then that, that that turns out to be the only song they play that night played that night it was over and over again well no that was that was the last one that was poetry falcons but they were playing detachable penis over and over again just repeatedly um and it was admittedly a really weird scene that i found myself in but i kind of really dug it um it was i mean everything you looked around everything was kind of penis shaped they had those candies, those fun candies that are at the the bachelorette can- the bachelorette parties. They were on, the, they were out there. Their guitars, um, on on the stage, on the flanking each side, big, big, big ones. Um, and uh, I mean, I don't regret that I found them, um, but I feel a little shamed, I guess, that that I went and saw this for like it was nine hours, and then I walked out of there, and I was never the same again. Um, uh, at first, I thought you were talking about you saw me at a Yankee Candle 
store. Um, solve the, yeah. the, the phallic objects. And it's like, well, I mean, we've all been to Yankee Candle. I could understand why you would think it's the Yankee Candle store because of all the penises on the wall at the Yankee Candle store. <laughs> yes. I but, mean, that's, I assume that's the beyond in Bed Bath and Beyond. I mean, that is also true. But no, this was um, Bill and Ted's excellent sex shop. Uh, downtown mm. Chicago. Mm-hmm. Ah, the Sexland Adventure, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've all been there, too. <laughs> no, don't even lie and tell me you haven't, so. Uh, no, I, I saw them. It's It's been a number of years. I, I saw them back when I was in college. Uh, they were playing at, oh, crap, there's this little bar. I can't remember the name of it exactly, but they had an annual uh, turkey testicle festival, and they they were there um, playing detachable penis as kind of like a kickoff song for the testicle festival, which I thought was a little weird, but you know, they got a good sound to them, but they, they don't like really get you excited for anything though. It's very kind of mellow. Uh, you know, and there's not a lot of, a lot of monotone just kind of going along with it. Um, but definitely an interesting band to hear. And it's definitely a, a different vibe than I think we've had in previous years. One of my first jobs ever was working for Enjoyment Residue. I went on tour with them. It was just a Midwestern tour, uh, but I had to clean up after them all the time. Mm. Uh, like mm. So they would go out and do their show, and then here comes Lowly Derek with a bucket of dirty water to mop, and I had to like clean up the stage and then clean off, the, you know, sanitize the mics and the stands and all that stuff. So I did this through like seven or eight cities. And we got to uh, Cincinnati. It was a college. I can't remember which college it was. But it was a college show. And they went out there and they made a terrible mess. Just terrible. Like everything was covered head to toe. Uh, and, and I told them. I was like, dude, like, there's nothing special about your song. Like, any penis is detachable if you try hard enough. Um, and and they really took umbrage with that, and they fired me on the spot, which was which is lucky because I did not want to clean up that mess. And I don't know who had to clean it up, um, but it was terrible. Was the worst part about cleaning it up those like? those gummies, those penis shaped gummies that would like people would put them in and then they'd fly out of their mouth and just stick to the floor. And it's like, you can't sweep that. Yeah. There's, you can't sweep. It's a lot of mopping. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing fun about their shows. They always play weird locations like, like Drew Som at, uh, uh, you know, wherever, um, you, you, you catch them, Sometimes, you know, at like the the a truck stop, they'll play there. It's just like, ugh, all right, well, here we go again. Yeah, and it's not even so much cleaning up after them. It's their fans really get into it too, and you gotta kind of clean up after them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's that is not that's not a a pretty sight. Nope, kind of the worst fans. Well, I will say though, like you see them play someplace, they have their merch stand, mm-hmm. like every good band does. And you see an album that says Milk from a Jedi. I bought a copy. It's just detachable penis playing over and over again. Yeah, it's it's really weird. It's how they get you. They, you fell for their little trap. Um, yeah, so I don't know why they just didn't name the album Detachable Penis. They should have, but they really wanted the, to break into the Star Wars demographics. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, sorry, Keith, that, that that hit you hard. That was you. Yeah. Well, that's how they. That's how they. They got me. I saw a Jedi, and immediately I'm throwing down money. Well, that's why I answered the ad um, for the employment. I'm like, I need a job. Uh, there, and this this ad was very, very Star Wars centric. You know, it's like, do you dream of you know being more than just a Padawan? Do you swing a saber, lightsaber, better than anyone else? And really, it was just, can you mop? You know. It's like when is this? When, when does my Jedi training start? And it took me eight cities or seven cities to realize that there was no Jedi work involved. It's just mopping after these guys. Mm-hmm. Why don't we listen to the only song that they've ever played? Here is "Enjoyment Residue" with detachable penis from their album "Milk from a Jedi." <laughs> This morning with a bad hangover And my penis was missing again This happens all the time It's detachable This comes in handy a lot of the time I can leave it home when I think it's going to get me in trouble Or I can rent it out when I don't need it But now and then I go to a party Get drunk and the next morning I can't For the life of me remember what I did with it First I looked around my apartment and I couldn't find it all right, and that was Detachable Penis from Enjoyment Residue. Keith, it's your turn again. Tell us the story behind the cul-de-sac kids. Oh, the the cul-de-sac kids. Holy crap. I Man, I, I must have been like 14 or 15 last time I heard these guys. It was a different time. You know, I was, I was deep into hip-hop, so I, I really wasn't paying that much attention um, you know, to bands like this, but they, they kind of just stuck out. Um, like a, just because, well, okay. I lived in a cul-de-sac for a while and me and my friends, we referred to ourselves as the cul-de-sac kids, uh, as we would run around the neighborhood and, you know, ride our bikes and, you know, cause other mischief. So when these guys came out calling themselves the cul-de-sac kids, we, we really, we really took notice, and for a while we resented them, and we we did not like them. We made fun of them. Uh, you know, the their big album, Mom says we're winners. You know, we would just always refer to as you know, but Dad says you're a loser. Uh, you know, but as time went on, and you know, it, my family moved every now and then. You know, we we moved out of the uh, subdivision we're in. We're no longer in a cul-de-sac, and uh we lived in an apartment for about a year while a new house was you know being built and stuff and i I found myself listening to the album again and uh you know the song lost and found really always kind of stuck out to me um and i i I really kind of i actually tried to find these guys um you know which was weird because you know the internet really wasn't a thing at that time so uh i just i tried randomly calling radio stations um, see if they could tell me where I could find uh, the cul-de-sac kids. I, I think several of them thought I was just pranking them at the time, um, uh, you know, because they would you know, they'd be like, uh, yeah, hold on a second. Uh, yeah, what what kids? What you want? D-sac kids? And I was like, no, 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 never mind. Uh, you know, I, I think they 
they never really took me serious on this. And I never found out much more about them. Uh, the, the, the only thing I had to listen to them on was a cassette and it was borrowed from a friend from a friend to make a copy. So I didn't even have like the, you know, the album, uh, or the, the record label to call or anything like that. Uh, but I was always like, man, yeah, I just want to tell these guys I lived on a cul-de-sac. My friends and I called ourselves the cul-de-sac kids. Can I join your band? I mean, that was the main thing I wanted to do was, you know, just even as a hype man. I mean, I'm not good with instruments or anything like that. I don't have a great singing voice, but I was like, man, I could just jump around on stage because I am a legit cul-de-sac kid. Uh, you know, the worst part was I did eventually track them down. Um, none of them lived in like a subdivision with a nice cul-de-sac. They, they all lived in like a downtown apartment complexes. And it, I, I'll be honest, it was one of the most disheartening moments, um, you know, in, in my music listening lifetime, uh, to find out that they, that they were faking the whole thing. So your, wait, your plan was to join them by saying, Hey, this is me. And your plan was to jump around on the stage while they performed. Well, I mean, I was going to offer to be a hype man because I'm just, I'm not that, I'm not a musician. I'm, I'm not that good. I probably could have sang a bit. I mean, I, I knew all the words to lost and found, but I figured out at worst, if I knew the end of every line, I could just, you know, run up and just shout it, you know, right at the last minute. Do you still know all the words to lost and found? Ah, uh, no, I'll I would be honest, love I, to hear it. Keep, like I know it in my head, but like for me to sing it, it mm, may be hard. Mm. Like just give us a few. Uh, well, I mean, the weird part is I, I do believe the chorus is, is lost or found, um, which was I always thought was an interesting thing that they called it lost and found. But I, no, offhand, I, I do not remember it anymore. I mean, this is. Well, I can see why they didn't hire you. You've been know, a terrible hype man. Well, no, at the time I did. But, you know, but then I mean, that's still 20 some years ago. Probably the last time I even listened to these well, guys. The chorus was, Derek, help me out. It was like, oh, no, I lost it. Where is it? There it is. I found it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I went to finally talk to them and found out that they never actually lived in a cul-de-sac or even knew what it meant. They just thought it the, the, the name sounded fun and to them. It, it was very disheartening. Fun fact. Um, the plural of cul-de-sac is culs de sac That's right. Mm. That's, that's correct. Mm-hmm. And, like, even if they weren't cul-de-sac kids, meaning they all lived on the same cul-de-sac, they could have been cul-de-sac kids, meaning they lived on cul-de-sacs but different ones, or cul-de-sac but different ones, uh, which would have been cool. But they didn't even live on cul-de-sac or a cul-de-sac. They lived on, like, lanes and boulevards. Yeah, but, and, and yeah, and just, like— No in- streets, though. No streets. No streets. No. No streets. No. Lanes, lanes and boulevards. Lanes, boulevards. Row, they lived on rows. Mm-hmm. I know two of them lived in. They lived in an apartment on, uh, uh, you know, on the the row that they were on, and so like not even close to, you know, what me and my friends the called the sack kids. I mean, we all lived, you know, in that nice little area. I'd go over to my neighbor's house, hang out with him. We'd go over to the other guy's house, hang out with him, and we'd go run around the neighborhood. And I was, it, I thought it was gonna be a heartening story that they would then let me jump in and and uh, and, and join in and all, but no, no. I'll be honest. It was I was a little disappointed to see them on on the list of potential bands, but because it's just bringing back kind of bad memories. Now, when you say you ran around the neighborhood, do you mean you just ran around 
the cul-de-sac in one cul-de-sac, circle. Yeah. Well, no, we'd leave the cul-de-sac and go around the rest of the subdivision. But, you know, we... we uh, Sounds like you weren't a very good cul-de-sac kid then. So know. you're more subdivision kids than anything yeah. else. Well, no, we the crew of us we were in, we all lived in the cul-de-sac. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so that we would take off and we would go and, you know, try not to cause havoc. We weren't a gang or anything. We just, you know, we'd go around doing some other stuff around the, the, the subdivision stuff. We had friends who lived in other parts of the subdivision, but they weren't, they weren't, you know, part of the kids. You literally just describe a gang. Yeah. That's a gang. <laughs> I mean, when I finally went to leave the cul-de-sac, I, I had to fight my way out too. Yeah. That's a mm-hmm. gang. Huh. Hmm. Got some interesting tattoos from being in there too. Hmm. And those are with you. It's a it's a circle with um squares around it and then one exit off uh, that. The lyrics of lost and found, like just in a circle inside the cult. But it's the same. It's only yeah. the last words, of course, because mm-hmm. that's yes. Told, bad, found everything. Head. Head. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> Look, I mean, when when you have another one of the you know your your friends who's a kid giving you like a uh, you know a homemade tattoo you know in the garage, you know because you know you're all too young to actually get real tattoos, but you know you're the called the sack kids. Oh Christ, this is sounding more and more like a gang. Yeah, huh. glad we could help you figure this out. Yeah. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Thirty years later, this is giving a much different take on my my childhood. I really thought those kids gave us their bags of candy at Halloween. Hmm. Well, why don't we give them a listen? Here is the cul-de-sac kids with Lost and Found from their album, Mom Says We're Winners. And that was Lost and Found by the Cul-de-Sac Kids. Derek? Yes? Here's our last band. Tell us everything you remember about Men Who Pause. (laughs) Uh, Dude, I can't believe you're giving me Men Who Pause. Um, I told you, Toph, like months ago when we were planning this, 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 your smorgasbord, if you were going to bring in the Men Who Pause, I couldn't do it because dude who uh uh alfie who's the lead singer of men who pause he's like the really wants to be this like really tough guy sky anarchist sort uh he tried to date my sister for a long time and i just was not cool with it he came to our thanksgiving one year family thanksgiving um and all of his friends like busted in through our window they were dancing on the table. My dad got pudding on his head. 
um, there were people outside in our in our like lawn laughing at us. They were like really, like really like you could tell like they were they wanted to see the establishment destroyed. Um, be, the establishment being our <laughs> our Thanksgiving dinner, uh, and we had like multiple restraining orders against them. Uh, Alfie, uh, Alfie Leonard, the lead singer of Men Who Pause, uh, did did jail time not for you know destroying our house, but for you know vandalism and uh, and petty theft. Um, and when he brought it up to me, I was like, dude, I can't, I can't have him here. I can't deal with him. And then you stuck him here at the end. Um, so, yeah, Men Who Pause, yeah, they're 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 not very good. The and I, I hate them. Now, what kind of pudding was it? It was banana with the vanilla wafers on top. That's pretty good pudding. Yeah, That's it, a tragedy. like he came in. Uh, so he's sitting around the table, you know, acting all cool. It's like, oh, you, you guys, you know, great establishment. You got here, blah, 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 trying to be British. I mean, the dude was not was not British. He was not punk. He was not ska. He lived literally uh, one town over from us. You know, we, I grew up in a very small town. He grew up in just a slightly less smaller town. Uh, there was nothing special about him in that regards. Uh, but there was so, like his friends came busting into the window. Like you'd almost think when they jumped into the window that it was made to break away. Um, it was such a clean break, and they started playing their table music and they danced on our table. Um, yeah, and that vanilla pudding with with the. Uh, a banana pudding with vanilla wafers got tossed in my dad's head, and it was not pretty. So, Derek, you said he grew up in a less small town. Does that mean he grew up in a bigger town? I mean, if you want, if you can, you can call it that if you want. Uh, but the way I remember it was, it was less. It was it was less small. Yeah. Was the pudding was it homemade or was it a, like a mix out of a box? Well, I mean, it was made in our house, but it was it was a mix out of a box. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't like snack packs, but like, listen, it was Thanksgiving. My mom was not going to dump a bunch of snack packs into a bowl and put vanilla wafers on top. <laughs> so she she mixed it up with milk herself, right? And when she ran out of milk, she used tap water and she made this pudding. Uh, it was a tradition. Okay, was any of the pudding salvageable? Well, I so we we tried. We we spent a lot. We spent a lot of time. I I don't I don't think so because I remember. I remember going to Derek's house after, like, later on that day because I lived in a town in between Derek's small town and the other lesser small town, uh, and and I was going, I was going to still hang out with him later on that night, and I called over there, and he was like, "No, we're not, not effing doing anything." The the, the pudding's gone, dude. Pudding. Don't even come over. That's that's yeah. what I said. I remember it as clear as day. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want, I mean, Derek and I had just become friends at the time. I didn't want him to know I was really just coming over for pudding. I was still, you know, friendly, come out, hang out with him and stuff too. But, you know. Keith, like, I I hate to break this to you, but I knew you were coming over for pudding. That's why when I answered the phone, I'm like, dude, the pudding's gone. Don't even bother. Don't even bother. It's not worth it. No. So I, and, and, you know, we caught up again a few days later and he, he told me this whole story and the fact that he couldn't hang out for a couple days because they had to fix the windows and, uh, you know, tried making pudding again. It just because it was no longer Thanksgiving, it just the vibe had worn off as well. But, you know, it, Thanksgiving pudding is only 
for Thanksgiving. It's there's traditions for Thanksgiving. There's turkey. There's mashed potatoes. There's pudding. Right. Those are the three mm-hmm. undeniable, like tentpole pieces of Thanksgiving dinner. And when one of them gets destroyed or dumped needlessly on my father's head in an act of uh, anarchist defiance, you know, you know, I, I, I just I can't, I can't stand for it. I can't handle it. How long did your sister date the lead singer of the band? Well, they're married now. Um, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, they oh, got wow. married uh, uh, shortly after that Thanksgiving. Uh, they have three lovely children, um, but I cannot stand. So is this is this every Thanksgiving now? Like, well, I I, I stopped going to Thanksgiving after that that one. Okay, I, I've been apparently been uninvited. Why would you be uninvited? <laughs> they can't take a joke, you know. Yeah, yeah, that that was a big thing. It's like, oh, come on, you can't take a joke, you know. It's like shut your shut your non-British mouth. I mean, you lived in a town that was slightly less small. You know, you're not better than me. You're not better than my family. Uh, but they do have three lovely children. I mean, the the other thing is, I mean. Derek's dad still ate his pudding. It was Derek's pudding that got flung onto his dad's head. So Derek's the one who had to go without the pudding. It was on my plate. And Derek's dad got a double yeah. double pudding. That pudding was on my plate. And I, when I eat Thanksgiving dinner, I eat in a very specific order. Right? I go turkey. Right? Then I go mashed potatoes. Then I go whatever nonsense is in between. Right? Stuffing. Who cares? Macaroni and cheese. Whatever. The lesser stuff. Right? The, 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 the things... The things that nobody cares about on a, on a, on a thing, like, I, I'll, like I'll even sure I'll have pumpkin pie in there too, right? Green bean casserole. Yeah, I have all those things. You don't right? do the thing where you mix it all together. Heck no, because you have to enjoy each one as it is. <laughs> so you have the turkey, you have the mashed potatoes, then you have the rest, then you bookend that with the vanilla pudding or banana pudding with the vanilla wafers on it. Uh, and that is Thanksgiving. You know, people say that it's the tryptophan in Turkey that makes you sleepy. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. It is It is the Nilla wafers that make you feel alive. I've taken it one step further because I had never heard about a Thanksgiving pudding until I met Derek. And then I started insisting that my family start to include the pudding. And I said, hey, you know, there's this one time these people came through, uh, this lead singer for Men Who Pause. You know, and I go through the whole backstory about their album Pandemic O'Clock and their song Stand Front and all this stuff. And I explain everything that happened and how they didn't get the pudding. So I insist that we have Thanksgiving pudding every year. I eat pudding immediately before I go for anything else because I don't want to risk the fact that somebody could come crashing through the windows and knock my pudding into the air and onto somebody's head. Sure. So I make sure to eat it right away. Mm-hmm. Just in case. Oh, that is smart. Mm-hmm. Let, let me give you a little tip, too. I make two puddings, one banana with the vanilla wafers on top, and then one pudding that's like just like butterscotch with Oreos. I put that on the table in case, in the off chance that somebody breaks through uh, and smashes the pudding. Because a decoy pudding. pudding. The decoy pudding. But because oh. I've been uninvited from my family's Thanksgiving, it's usually just me by myself. Like, my wife and kids are still invited. I am not. So I'm at home with my butterscotch and 
pudding with Oreos on top, <laughs> sitting in the middle of the table as, as as a decoy, and every noise I hear, I flinch, and I'm jumping, and I'm looking, and I'm waiting for it to happen, and I'll intentionally eat in a room without windows, like the bathroom, and I'm still nervous. <laughs> Literally, no one is on Derek's side. What you have to do, Derek, is you almost kind of have to have to eat your Thanksgiving meal as if you're enduring a hurricane or a tornado, yes. like a like a tornado. Like you have to get in a really like the like the closet in the center of your house or something. Yeah, exactly. Like in the bathtub, um, covered up with a mattress under the stairs, and very fast. There's you're you're not you're not a man who pauses at this point either. no like uh, like the name men who pause feels like a taunt towards me um because i i i feel like it's because when i didn't eat my pudding right away <laughs> on that thanks that fateful thanksgiving and i lost the pudding uh they're 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 taunting me with that like you paused in your pudding um and then this will teach you We'll be a band. Wait a second. I, I think I've realized what's happened here. There's there's a deep psychological thing going on here. You blame yourself for having lost the pudding. Yeah, I do. Um, oh, Chris, you weren't I, supposed I've, to. I've spent many years. Try, I mean, it, it's been 25 years. I've been trying to get over this. Uh, it's hard. It's hard because I can, I can still hear the pudding being kicked and flying into my dad's hair. I can hear it. I, I, that's something. Every time I close my eyes at night and go to sleep, I know that I could have stopped that pudding, and I didn't. And uh, hey, Derek, can I just yeah? stop you right there? Yeah. And just say something that that I think is really important for you to hear. Okay. It's not your fault. Oh man, you're gonna make me cry on a podcast, Chris. It's not your fault. I know. I know. And and I, can we hear like a song from that band that Derek hates? I I know and and I've I've come to grips with that, and I I needed somebody else to hear it. Derek, it's not your fault. It is my fault. It will always be my fault, and then it'll be on my tombstone. Pudding. On a pizza. Listen, when you have pudding on a pizza, you can have pudding anytime. <laughs> In the morning, in the <laughs> even at supper time, when pudding is on a pizza, <laughs> you can have pudding anytime. <laughs> yeah, Orson Welles. The, there'll be no wine before it's time. Yeah, but not pudding. Pudding is for any time. Pudding is for any time. Yeah, and and not that weird British pudding either. Ugh. It's like steamed cake. Get out of here with that. It's basically a sponge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. most things, even the more benign, are very polarizing amongst a large population of people. But I found that if there's one thing that the entire human race can agree on is that pudding is for any time. <laughs> it, it is. Like when you're listening to uh, a song from Menu Paws. Yeah, I know we just had a moment with Derek, but let's like play. I mean, that's a, that's a segue. So I mean, that's a, yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, we've never done this before. We we always play a song from the band that we just discussed. But I, I mean, I feel like in this wow. instance, I need to I need to get Derek's permission. Derek, are you okay if we if we play a song from Men Who Pause? 
Well, I think it'll be the perfect opportunity for, for me to go to the bathroom. So, um, and eat some pudding really fast. If you'll excuse me. Uh, well, uh, okay. I mean, if, if it's, as long as it's okay. I mean. I can't hear you. I'm in the bathroom with my pudding. All right. Toph, don't you check your phone messages? I told you not not to bring up the blaming thing. Yeah, I probably, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't see your message until after I'd said it. I mean, it was a nice bounce back. It was a nice bounce back. Uh, I've been trying to tell him it wasn't his fault for years. He he really holds this one, uh, holds himself accountable on this one. It was the first thing I said to Derek when I met him. Not, not your fault. Okay, well, what, let's let's go ahead and squeeze in this song before he gets back from the bathroom. So, um, yeah, please, yes. So here's all right. I hope that song's done now that I'm back. <laughs> oh God, dang it. he said putting very fast. Sorry, we shouldn't we shouldn't dilly dallied. Hey, Derek, I actually i I haven't actually played the song yet. Oh, any, any chance you need to go to the bathroom again? Yes, I'll be back. I can't hear you. I'm in the bathroom. All right, hurry, hurry, hurry and press play. Press play. Go. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So here's here's um here's Stand Front by Men Who Pause from their album Pandemic O'Clock. Oh my god. Okay. Oh, d- did you hear that? Yes, you could have warned me. Derek came back mid mid song. Uh, I'm so- I'm sorry, man. It's all right. It's-, it's okay. Also, he Derek is very good at making pudding now. Like it, it, minutes. It's instant pudding. He had to make it now it's in the it's got to chill for a little while. So he's well, got to go back true. later. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well, in, in any case, I'm sorry, Derek, but that was that was um Stand front by by men who pause from pandemic clock. Great. All right. Well, um, that that's our our entire lineup. Good job, everybody. Now let's talk about our, the lineup for our festival this year. Uh, this is entirely up to you guys. You need to choose who's going to open, uh, who's going to close things out in the order in between. I think you've got a particularly difficult choice because you know you guys really should should talk to Derek of whether or not we want to include you you know men who pause. In, in the lineup. Well, I think men who pause either has to open the show and then Derek, you can just show up casually late. Oh yeah. Or they got to close the show. So you can, you'll, you can head out. We'll, we'll clean up after and everything. Here's the thing though, right? Like I won't be able to just casually show up late because I will probably have to give my sister and the kids a ride to the show. 
Oh, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah. I mean, I'll I'll suffer. I'll just stay in the car, I guess. Well, Derek, I got another solution for huh? you. Uh, Jeremy Baramy, uh, because most of his stuff was written during his commute, he sounds very good on like a train type thing. So, what if we set up a shuttle? that could take people back and forth from a parking location to the main arena. Mm-hmm. You could hang out on there mm. and listen to Jeremy Baramy mm. play on that until until the other band is done. Okay. I mean that cuz we've also we've had a tradition of having an act before you get into the actual arena, yeah. Do I have to listen to Jeremy Baramy or can I, can I just like do a Sudoku puzzle or something? Well, you can do whatever you want. Okay, you can wear headphones if you want. That's fine, yeah. Okay. You can talk to your sister and her kids if you want. Hey, Keith, would you mind if I took your idea even to the next level? What if we held the concert? Because we always hold the concert in a pretty interesting place. I think last last year was was at the Bellagio. And um, Drew, who was the band that, that played out in the fountains? Oh, <sighs> <laughs> oh, who yeah, was yeah. that from last year any any case oh it was kid chaos yeah so kid chaos played played on on floaties or like the floating stage out in the bellagio fountains yeah that's right yep oh that that cost us so much money to set up that pool for them yeah they demanded some sort of lake or some sort of body of water mm-hmm. yeah so we got the bellagio fountains well no well but i'm just saying that we've we've held the concert at really interesting places so this year like you said, shuttle, but why don't we hold it in a place where there's a monorail and people Disney people World. take the monorail from the, from the parking uh, from the parking field to the to the concert arena, and that's where Jeremy Baramy can play, and Derek can stay on the monorail until until Men Who Pause is done. And we could we could sell tickets like the best tickets, of course, are in the same train, uh, the car with the band, right. Second tier tickets would be in a different car on the same train. Third tier and more would be somewhere along the tracks. Yeah, because you know, the windows are down. So as they're going by, yeah. I mean, you get kind of the Doppler effect where you hear the band coming and then you hear them going. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but at least you get to hear them for a couple of seconds. What if we had all the bands playing on a train? Mm-hmm. Whoa. We could go from town, small town to slightly less smaller town i like it people could be on the train uh i'm imagining people doing their one their congo line for one uh going from you know car to car mm-hmm. uh you know because we play through the sound system of the whole thing uh, and that way you know it, you know Derek can be as far away from men who pause i mean he can be like five or six cars down and then, uh, you know, he, he can listen to whatever he wants at any time. God, that's a great idea. And here's the thing about the Congo line kind of going all around. It, it like, kind of greases up the floor, and it prevents those hop-ons. We don't want hop-ons. Mm. You got to pay no, for your no, ticket. No, no, no. Yeah, the worst thing is when you get a bunch of hobos that show up to your show. That's We mm-hmm. don't want that. No, what is this? Woodstock? No. This is Smorgish Horde. <laughs> Class. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so let me understand this, Keith, because what you're saying is... Because normally we would we would do it, the concert in a stationary place, and then we would tour around the country over a period of months. You're saying the concert never stops; it just keeps going. You ever see the movie Snowpiercer? They're on a train that basically never stops. Yeah, yeah. That that's what I'm picturing, but you know, not as uh, you know, post apocalyptic. It's uh, you know, because because every time you come up to a new little town. 
the train can slow down and not stop because again we don't want hobos jumping on slows down enough that you know we've advertised that time so people show up around the you know they show up around the the general uh, area of like the train stop and they can listen to the you know a little jam session as it goes and then you know we just pass on to the next town people riding though people who paid big money to actually be on the train like they get to hear um uh, detachable penis like over and over and over again if they're near the you know the enjoyment residue car so are you saying that that the bands still play sequentially or each band is in a car playing at the same time uh they they play like um jeremy Barry is in one car right modest drafts are in another car poetry Falcons like that each one is in a different car but you can pass from car to car so again if you're if if everyone syncs up eventually to do the Congo line for ones without actually touching, they could just do that from car to car then for a little while. Then everyone turns around. Do, 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 you know, they do the whole thing right back uh, the other direction. This saves us on venues, especially if we're going to go take it around the, the country again like we did before. I mean, you know, it, it, we never really have to stop. You know, I have two thoughts for this to really sure. make it pop off. First, we can really incorporate Jeremy Baramy here by having them throw various hotel items off the train. Yes. And, and into the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, like a parade. And then yeah. Like a exactly. like a parade type Except thing. Like, yeah. What's this? Oh, it's it's the hairdryer. Why? How did you get the the hairdryer's attached? Why did you take this? I don't know. Um and then also, could we really push um to hit a lot of cul-de-sacs. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Coles de sac mm-hmm. in the nation. Maybe I'm not going to say everyone, but many just with the train. It would require a lot of money to get the tracks to the to the cul-de-sacs. Coles de sac. Yep. But but our budget has never kept us from exploring new ideas with the festival. Yeah, cuz then we really got to get the kids in there and that that I think that would make them happy. And I think a a train track that loops a cul-de-sac uh, at high speed would be very fun. Yeah. It'd be like a roller coaster almost. And if you're throwing bars mm-hmm. of soap off of a train while it's going mock whatever around a cul-de-sac, it can you get you get some forward momentum on that thing. That that'll go. It'll launch like a trebuchet. Mock whatever could we get a hotel to sponsor us and and then they provide the soaps and uh, and help pay for the extra track and the mock whatever train we can try but i think as soon as we got to strategically not mention jeremy Baramy if we're going to try and get a hotel sponsorship well that and also we just tell jeremy Baramy that we stole the soaps ourselves so are we going to put them in a certain order i guess the train cars right yeah so uh, jeremy Baramy at the front you know, put him put him at the front because I mean he's you know, he's got a whole train theme to himself anyway. Yeah. Um. I mean, it, when it's it, when it's his turn to play, the speakers will go throughout the whole train system anyway. Um. And then I think, ooh, here we go. How about this? Uh. And, and regardless, so enjoyment residue is the second car. And monster ass being the third car, I think they always kind of have to be linked because mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're still going to do the cleanup thing. Right. They can keep cleaning, cleaning up after each other. But enjoyment residue, they play a detachable penis in between each act. 
Okay. Okay. I mean, because they're always known for just playing it over and over and repeat anyway. So this way they kind of still do the same thing. They're not going to be in the caboose? A detachable penis in the caboose? I mean, that's the joint residue in the caboose. I was I was going to suggest cul-de-sac kids in the caboose. So then really the everyone in a cul-de-sac can see the kids. Yeah, you get a good view of the of the back, yeah. Could we yeah, I have a suggestion and maybe this is kind of crazy. Have we put men who pause anywhere? No, the only thing we talked about was making sure that they were as far away from Derek as possible. Oh, that doesn't really yeah. work for my idea. I was going to suggest that we only have them play uh, outside of the train, like in the connections, because that's kind of what you would maybe call the pause of the train. But ugh, for Derek... Oh, interesting. <laughs> the pause of the train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but for Derek, I don't know mm-hmm. if that, that really works. I think that's a great idea, because then Derek just doesn't get off the train. So now we're holding Derek hostage. Well, no, because he's got five other bands to listen to, and he keeps his distance mm-hmm. and protects his pudding. But he can't leave. He's got to pick one one car, and he can't leave it. And also, we're kind of talking about Derek like he's not here. We could just ask him. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. So let's put men who pause uh, in the caboose. Because we, we do have to give uh, our uh, our engineer... Uh, conductor a he has to get a little break anyway as well need a pause for him also so we'll have to stop every couple uh lesser small towns and men who pause can get out they can perform right there like kind of live right there so still a little venue type feel then they climb back on from the caboose will be the easiest way for them to get on and off and then derek never actually has to hear them no matter what car he's in so nobody has to find enjoyment residue in in the caboose okay no 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 yeah nobody wants to find enjoyment residue from a detachable penis uh, in the caboose okay all right Mm -hmm. so uh so the caboose you have men who pause uh then i think the cul-de-sac kids got it the modest giraffes enjoyment residue Poetry Falcons and our, our most front, most upfront train uh, is Jeremy Barry because that's the first thing you're going to hear as we're coming into to each town. I think that's great. Yeah. I think we've really settled on something fantastic. And every bit of money that we save from not actually needing to have a venue, we get to put into uh, getting to as many actual cul-de-sacs as possible. Well, I don't think you guys realize what we've done here, but we've completely broken new ground and we've invented a nonstop traveling music festival i mean we had to go big the primary benefit of this is that we're going to hit way way more venues than a typical festival which is only a handful of venues over a period of months i mean we're going to hit hundreds hundreds of different places all cul-de-sacs well anything else before we wrap it up paul we missed you yeah we did miss you paul but chris you did an excellent job sir yes thank you chris thank you i appreciate it I mean, it's like you actually host your own show. It's kind of crazy how well you do at this. That's that's nonsense. That's mm-hmm. nonsense. But thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Well, before we go, let's have some promo time. Drew, you go first. Where can we find Paul's show? Uh, well, where can we find Paul? I don't know. Um, I mean, how how do you find a ninja? You don't. All right. Well, then, what, why don't you just uh, why don't you just promote your own show then? Yeah. Um, yeah, that might be better might be easier. Uh, my show <laughs> is Headline Heroes. Um, it's a 
podcast we do me uh my friends nathan and tanner we sit down we take a wacky news article uh usually just read the headline and try our best to create a superhero or a supervillain out of that Uh, we get some crazy stuff going i would say the best way to reach us is twitter but um (laughs) likely uh at this point it won't it will still not be open um our, our usual twitter is at headline underscore heroes but somehow i don't know why uh twitter blocked that one so i don't know tweet at twitter get them to get our twitter back please um I think the best way to reach us, honestly, is uh, on our Facebook, but more just subscribe to our podcast. We would we would love to have you. And we are, we are also on the, the Podfix ne- network. Why don't you just tell everybody your, your phone number? Oh, yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Um, Keith, what's your phone number? <laughs> I, I can't tell you that. Okay. Sorry. It's restricted. DM me. Keith, tell us about your show. Uh, all right. Uh, my show, uh, along with Derek. Uh, is the pop-up film cast. Uh, we are a weekly show come out the same day that uh, the headline heroes do. And we make a, it's a nice, uh, great one, two punch listening. Uh, we make up, uh, we review fictional movies as if they were 100% real. And uh, it, it's a good time. We hear about Derek's entrepreneurial adventures. Uh, you know, just uh, go ahead, look us up. We are found wherever great podcasts are found. And uh, we do have a Twitter account. It is perfect working condition. Oh, jeez. At Pop-Up Filmcast. Well, Derek, in addition to being Keith's co-host, uh, you have all kinds of things going on. Yes, I do. I have lots of things, uh, Mr. Toaf. Um, uh, in addition to the Pop-Up Filmcast, uh, you can also find uh, the Unearthed 1985 season of The Wild Pitch. Uh, it is... Uh, a podcast where um, myself and some entrepreneurial types uh, make up fake things uh, f- are awesome invention not fake they're totally r- true um, items to pitch uh you know in an episode inspired by my robot butler but I mean uh, th- this show's seen so many iterations this this is the was found in a storage locker it's 1985 season. Uh, and it's just it's been unearthed and it's out there every Wednesday till all 10 episodes are show, are aired so this is should be week two or three now I don't know wildpitchpodcast.com I'm gonna risk speaking for um, really just everybody every every human that that's in existence that we are very excited about the return of the wild pitch podcast well, it's not really a return. It's just the unearthing of, you know, 10 long-lost tapes. They're like 30 years old. Uh, 35, actually. Uh, and here they are, you know. They're out there. You had to, like, digitally remaster them. They've been remastered. Uh, they they were yeah. found in one of those uh, storage, uh, like, uh, auction uh, <laughs> television shows. And here they are. Yeah, Derek, Derek went in and was like, yup, and like, and he got it. <laughs> I wish it was me, yeah, but I you know, I had to fight for him to get back on the air. So they're there. Well, even if the return is only temporary, we're very, very excited about having some additional Wild Pitch content. Well, I'm glad, I'm gl- I'm glad to hear that. Wildpitchpodcast.com, I believe, will take you to a website where you can subscribe.
correct me if I'm wrong, but that's I think that's the shortest domain name that you use, isn't it? It is. It's one of the few. I, well, originally, I was trying to get. Uh, well, I mean, you can still for this the 1985 unearthing. Um, you can go to www. Listen to the freshly unearthed lost and lost tapes of the Wild Pitch that were recorded originally in 1985, but found in a storage locker auction and shown on uh, uh, TLC.com. Wow, that was available. It was available. Um, like like most of my domain names that I find, uh, they're very difficult to obtain. Like I usually somebody's squatting on them. Uh, this one, no different. I had to I had to pay hefty hefty price to get this one, but it was totally worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, my sincere thanks to each of you for coming on the show today. Best of luck to Paul in his quest to defeat the samurai. Let's finish up with some brief credits. We have a great Facebook group for the show. Please come join us there. It's called the Gravity Beard Interns. It's where we have serious conversations about the dumbest things ever. You can also call us on our hotline if you like. That number is 321-465-2180. Gravity Beard is a proud member of the Podfix Network to find other great shows, including the Pop-Up Filmcast, Headline Heroes, and others. Uh, we're all creating Platinum Global content. You can go right now to podfixnetwork.com or search at Podfix on Twitter. You can also listen to us on Radio Haver. See the show notes for details. The music on the show is by Silent Partner. You can find them on the YouTube audio library. For my dear friends Drew, Keith, and Derek, I'm Toph. You've been listening to Gravity Beard. It's what your ears will want to be listening to. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Gravity Beard is a proud member of the Podfix Network. Maybe we should space those out. I don't know. I thought that was one title. I'm so sorry. Uh, no one. One was the one was the name of the song, and the other was the album. <laughs> what an amazing title! It on the moving train. Everything works in fiction. I thought it was just one. <laughs> I love it. That is a great name. I was like, that's a weird one. <laughs> sorry.